Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 13th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C. And with football season in full swing, it begs the question, how is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round, or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee. Well, the good news is it's not too late to forget the injuries and get back in the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. And the best part is, you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use my promo code PICK, that's P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this week. Coming Sunday, today's show is also presented by Molinari's Pizzeria. Molinari's is exactly what y'all looking for in a family-owned Italian restaurant. Head in today on Adams Street in Dorchester. Grab a table, sit at the bar, or even order something to go. From appetizers and salads to sandwiches and house-made pasta dishes to their delicious wood oven specialty pizzas, Molinari's has everything you could possibly want. My go-to, I tell you all the time, is the chicken palm sandwich. We order lunch here at Beantown Athletics from Molinari's all the time, and you should too. Check out their menu right now at MolinariesPizzeria.com. That's MolinariesPizzeria.com. And when you do stop in, make sure you tell them I sent you. Welcome to the show on this Monday, November 13th, as Week 10 in the NFL concludes with Monday Night Football Carolina Hosting the Miami Dolphins, the Panthers hosting the Dolphins, Carolina an eight-and-a-half point favorite at home in this game on Monday Night Football. Uh, But just looking back at some of the games we had on Sunday in Week 10 with my picks, uh, another losing week. I went 2-3 and in Week 10. Uh, I should have went 3-2. and I should have went three and two, but I went two and three. Uh, my record on the season is now 23, 25 and two, 23 wins, 25 losses, and two pushes. Uh, so another losing week. My DraftKings got to have him play was Ben Roethlisberger. He got you 19 points. And I really, if you listen to Thursday's podcast, last week's podcast, the second podcast last week, if you'll know, I had. I went hard on the Steelers. I went hard on Pittsburgh. I had Roethlisberger as my DraftKings. Got to have him play. Um, uh, you know, I was loving the fact that Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, I thought, would have huge games, as well as Ben Roethlisberger in Indianapolis against the worst defense in football. Uh, but that did not happen. Roethlisberger got you 19 points. He should have got you a lot more. I was looking at the millionaire winner on DraftKings, and the millionaire winner had Jared Goff as their quarterback. A lot of people had Jared Goff. And now if you had Jared Goff, then you were set up nicely. If you took Roethlisberger, someone I told you to take, then I apologize. I really did think the Steelers were going to have a much better game. And I guess that brings me to my picks. Again, I went 2-3 and three in Week 10. The Steelers were one of my three losses. I took the Steelers minus 10 in Indy. I just thought that You know, the Colts, they had some issues in their secondary. I thought the Steelers, what, they were coming off a week nine bye. 
So they should have been feeling good about themselves. They're the number one seed in the AFC. They should have gone into Indy, the worst defense in the league, and whooped the Colts. That did not happen. Uh, The Steelers, this just was not a pretty game. They just barely won this one. So the 10 points that they were favored by, I took I took the Steelers minus 10. They didn't cover. They win the game. Just barely win this game. Um but that's just another that's another sign of how stupid this league can be. Pittsburgh going into Indy and just barely beating a Colts team that is no good, that has just a horrible horrible defense. So the Steelers they win, but they didn't cover for me with the 10 point spread. So I lose that game. I also lost Jacksonville minus three and a half over the Chargers. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were three and a half point favorite at home. Um, The Jaguars win the game with a field goal in overtime. But, I mean, they should have covered for me at the end of regulation and in overtime. I mean, at the end of regulation, what, a minute and a half left, minute 45 left before Bortles threw that interception – They had a play in the end zone. There was a taunting penalty. I mean, come on. How are you going to taunt in that spot? So then instead of putting them up, it set them back. um, And then Bortles threw the interception. They ended up tying the game at the end of regulation. But you get into overtime. Phillip Rivers throws the interception. You run it down to what? The Chargers two-yard line setting you up nicely for an eventual Leonard Fournette. I assume they would have tried to pound it in instead of maybe they could have taken a knee and still kicked the field goal. But you get down to the two. Try to run it in, I thought. Maybe you give it a Fournette, he stuffs it in, you win the game with a touchdown in overtime. Uh, instead, there was another taunting penalty on the Jaguars after that interception. Set him back, and if you're the Jaguars, you know, you're happy for a win, you end up getting that field goal, but if you're me, I took a minus three and a half, I didn't cover. They did win the game, I just didn't cover the minus three and a half because they only won by three, so I lose that game with Jacksonville minus three and a half. Uh, my other loss was, my third loss was Buffalo as a three-point dog at home against the New Orleans Saints. The Bills had not lost at home all season. And uh, from what we've seen out of Buffalo, they were a pretty good team this year, right? So you figure they put up a game being a dog at home, a place again where they haven't lost all season, and yet New Orleans goes in and they whoop the Bills. So, I lose that game. I took the Bills plus three. So, those are my three losses. Steelers minus 10, Jaguars minus three and a half, and Bills plus three. My two wins, I had Cincinnati plus four and a half. Now, Tennessee with a fourth quarter comeback, the Titans end up winning the game, but they won by four points. So, that half point there ends up winning me this one and saving me a little bit. So, I get Cincy plus four and a half just with the points. And then I get Tampa Bay plus two and a half. Tampa Bay at home was an underdog. Jameis Winston was out. They started Fitzpatrick. I told you this was the ultimate revenge underdog game. The Buccaneers being a, a an underdog at home, having Fitzpatrick playing against his old team in the Jets. Uh, the Buccaneers won. This was not a pretty game. This was not a fun game, but they win by, what, five was it, I think, 15 to 10? Tampa Bay wins, so obviously taking the points, I win that one. So my two wins was Cincinnati plus four and a half and Tampa Bay plus two and a half, two and three in week 10. My record on the season now, 23, 25, and two. So a couple games under 500. I get some time to get back above 500, so please join me again on Thursday where I will be making more picks like I do every Thursday, a segment we call Picks Picks, where I give you five NFL games with the spread. Now, try to get you some more DraftKings advice. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you still could have won some money if you did take Roethlisberger, but I think we a lot of people thought, a lot of people thought Pittsburgh, that Steelers were going to have a bigger day in Indy, and they just didn't. They just barely left Indy with a win. So uh, that was a frustrating one to watch as well. But when we look at the top storylines from Week 10, looking back on Sunday, uh, I think the number one, the top storyline is that you had the Patriots, the Saints, and the Vikings. They all won their seventh game of the season, but they all did it on the road. Uh, So that was impressive. Patriots won on the road Sunday Night Football in Denver. The Saints won on the road. I just told you they won in Buffalo. And the Vikings, uh, they won on the road. They beat Washington in D.C. So those three teams all are now 7-2 and two on the season. And um, they all they did it on the road. So that's pretty impressive. So the Patriots, Saints, and Vikings getting their seventh win. And don't forget about the Rams. The Rams won their seventh game as well. But they did it at home against the depleted Texans team. But uh, I think that's the top storyline with the Patriots, Saints, and Vikings did it. And if you want to throw the Rams into the mix, winning their seventh game as well, even though they did it at home, uh, I just props to the Patriots, Saints, and Vikings for doing it on the road. I think that's the top storyline from Week 10. Here locally in New England, we watched the Patriots last night crush the Broncos in Denver 41-16 to on Sunday Night Football. And this game was over once Denver muffed that punt. That was it. This game was over because... The Patriots, they started the game, and Denver forced them to go 3-0. and out. That place was loud. Now, what I said coming into this game was that I didn't think it was going to be easy for the Patriots. I didn't. And when you watch the Patriots' first drive, I mean, go back and watch that Patriots' first drive. They went 3-0. and out. Couple runs, incomplete pass. Place was rocking. That place was as loud as it's been in a long, long time. They got embarrassed the week before. They taught, you know, the broadcast talked a lot about Denver and those players, some of those veteran players, feeling embarrassed from what happened the week before. They come home. They're ready to go. The place is loud. That defense gets the New England Patriots three and out to begin the game. You're going to get the ball back. And what happens? The punt? They muffs the punt. Patriots get the ball to Denver 24. You spot them yards. You basically spot them points. The pass to Burkhead over the middle. He gets into the end zone. And uh, the Patriots take a 7-0 lead where the Broncos should have just had the ball. And, I mean, it's not like the Broncos weren't moving the ball on this one. They kept going to Emmanuel Sanders. Didn't matter if Malcolm Butler was covering Emmanuel Sanders or not. And I know some people are trying to maybe come down hard on Malcolm Butler. But um, I think when you look at the Denver Broncos, you know, Osweiler does have the ability with some of those weapons to get you some some big plays. Osweiler has the ability to have some big offensive days because he's got Sanders, because he's got um, Demarius Thomas. I mean, he's got some weapons there on the outside. And so I just think, all right, there's a couple plays. That one where Malcolm Butler, he, he tries to jump what he thought was going to be an out route and he thought could have been a pick six. Uh, there was a play where Malcolm Butler was trying to swat a ball uh, on the other side of the field and he just completely whiffed and it went into Sanders' hands. I mean, there were a couple plays you could blame Malcolm Butler for, but there's also, there were a good amount of plays as well that I think we should be tipping the cap to Emmanuel Sanders for going to get the ball and making a nice play. Um, Sanders, who was at one point not too long ago a little banged up, now is back, and now they have Osweiler throwing him the football. I mean, it's clear Osweiler likes going to Sanders. It's clear they those two players have chemistry. 
So you have to acknowledge that. Uh, when you react to that matchup, Malcolm Butler and Emmanuel Sanders, it was fun to watch. But let's let's be honest, the the Broncos special teams from a from a special teams perspective, this was an absolute disaster for Denver to the point where they didn't even give Osweiler and Emmanuel Sanders a fair chance to stay in this game. They didn't. You you force the Patriots to go three and out. The place is rocking, and what happens? You muff the punt. Patriots get the ball at the Denver 24. They score a touchdown. The game was over at that point. It was. The game was over. They, the Broncos get the ball. They kick a field goal. Um, and then Deion Lewis runs it back for runs a kickoff for a touchdown. 14-3. You know, not too long after that, Rex Burkhead. How about Rex Burkhead blocking a punt? So special teams disaster for the Denver Broncos and the Patriots just crush them 41-16. What else did we see? Well, we saw Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett, he's with the Patriots. I told you Thursday, and this is before Bennett signed with the Patriots, before the Patriots claimed him on waivers. I was talking about how Green Bay released him and cut him. And the story there that I didn't understand with Bennett and uh, the injury designation, what was it? Um, you know, the, the the Green Bay Packers cut Martellus Bennett because of a failure to disclose the injury designation. Bennett was saying he wanted surgery. The team doctor was saying, ah, we think he could play. Bennett was talking about retirement, and they just said, well, you know what? We're going to cut you. And at that point, you had a lot of people here in New England trying to say that the Patriots should put in a waiver claim. And before the Patriots did that, my last podcast, I told you that I'm all set. Like, I'm all set. I think the Patriots are all set. But what ended up happening? Patriots put in a waiver claim, and Martellus Bennett is a New England Patriot, and he made his return last night in Denver, made three catches, uh, disappeared for a little bit in the middle of this game, went into the blue tent, they said, right? Went into the whatever, the injury tent. Um, But... You know, the the problem I have with Martellus Bennett is not his ability on the field. Make no mistake. I don't have a problem with Martellus Bennett's ability on the field. The problem I have with Bennett is his mouth. Like, he just, I, I and I said, this was a reason why I said on Thursday, before they ended up putting the waiver claim on him, this is why I said I'm all set. You go back to last year, where going into the Super Bowl, Bennett was talking about whether or not he was going to go to the White House or not. And like I told you, I don't care about how he feels politically. He can feel however he wants to feel. I'm not upset about that. What I'm upset about and what I was upset about was that he actually answered the question. That just was so anti-patriot to me, anti-New England patriot, that I didn't like it. And I I actually enjoy the patriot way. I do. I, I enjoy I enjoy it because I think it's a real thing. I, I, I think that there's a reason they do it. I think there's a reason... They don't want their players, you know, out there talking. All I think there's a reason why we call it the Patriot way because it works. So when it continues, I like that. When you get a guy that maybe goes away from that a little bit, you know, some people who are down there covering the team every day, they love it because finally they have a guy who can talk. Finally, they have a guy who gives them some quotes. But I'm sorry, Martellus Bennett, to me, it's just too much. It's like, I don't even think he's funny. Like, I do think at times he's trying to be funny. I, I I don't think he's funny. I told you. I think he's a clown. And then I read this after the Patriots put the claim on him. And, and you know, he says, hey, he's coming back to the Patriots. He does. What does he do? A Snapchat story where he explains um, why he was frustrated with Green Bay 
And then he also made an Instagram post, a long Instagram pro- post where he explains that, you know, the Packers wanted him to play. He wanted to have surgery and that the Packers were then covering their own ass. And so it was a big back and it then became a big back and forth between, you know, Packers players like Jordy Nelson put out a tweet defending the, the medical staff in Green Bay. You got some other players, current um, former Green Bay players who, who are looking at that Green Bay Packers medical staff and they're going, oh, this is one of the best medical staffs in the league. So you, you created this back and forth and you created this headline all of a sudden where I didn't think there was one. I didn't think there was one. I didn't think there was a headline. Here's what I thought happened. Anybody with a brain would would know that Bennett, you know, didn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. Aaron Rodgers goes down. He didn't want to play with Hunley. He, he just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. And even if there was some frustration with the medical staff over his shoulder injury or in- injuries, then um, that's another thing on top of it. To me, this was simple. And I'm just looking at this from afar. To me, it was simple. Bennett didn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. And, um, you know, now he ends up with the Patriots. But my confusion with the Bennett situation is, does he want surgery or does he not? Does he need surgery or does he not? Because if you're going to come up with this Instagram post and this Snapchat story where you're bitching about the Green Bay Packers medical staff and the team doctor saying, I wanted surgery and he, you know, they said I didn't need it. Then my con- where I'm confused with that is, all right, you show up in New England and all of a sudden you're ready to play. All of a sudden there's no more surgery. So it does look like you lied about, I mean, it does look like you lied about the surgery to get out of Green Bay. Make no mistake about it. If you want to go play for a winner, if you want to come play for the Patriots, I'm actually okay with it. I am. I'm okay. I, I don't think this is the first time this has happened. I don't think it's the first time somebody might have either lied about an injury in the NFL. People lie all the time. The Patriots don't tell. You know, they might not say it's a lie, but they don't tell the full truth about injuries. Right? Guys don't want to do that. Uh, but also, you know, if you're in a situation where you just don't want to be in that situation, you realize maybe you made a mistake signing there, and then your star quarterback goes down with an injury, and you didn't like it, maybe you didn't like it anyways, you want to get out. And that was his out. I, I, I just thought it was clear. His out was the injury situation. But then when he comes to the Patriots, it's like he took it to a new level by posting this stuff on social media. I feel like Martellus Bennett made this a headline that it didn't have to be because then people are coming out of the woodwork going, well, no, the Packers medical staff, you know, this, that, the other thing. No, this is a great medical staff. Oh, Martellus Bennett. So you just open yourself up to be a liar. To me, Martellus Bennett should have got claimed by the Patriots and said, you know what? I, hey, I'm with the Patriots now and they need me. So I'm going to play. And that would, that's it. I mean, that is literally all you had to do. That's it. Instead, what does Martellus Bennett do? He, he creates this headline. He creates this drama. And that, that is something that I don't like about this guy. I don't like about him. It's just, he's talking, he's talking, and I just don't want him to talk. Because he's, he's really complaining about the Green Bay Packers medical staff while he's now a member of the Patriots. And it's like, wait a minute. Isn't this a good thing? What are we complaining about? What are you doing? And why are you even talking about your injuries? That's not what happens here in New England. You need a refresher course when you show up? Come on now. Like, just go out and play football. This is a, you're in a good situation, aren't you? So what are you complaining about? 
What are you complaining about? That's just... Anything that I've complained about with Bennett has nothing to do with his on-field abilities. It's just I don't understand why he feels the need to make this this injury stuff with the Green Bay Packers medical staff. Why do you feel the need to make this a headline? Even if somebody from Green Bay wanted to step out and say something about you, then you know what? Here's how you handle it. Hey, I'm a member of the New England Patriots now. That that's really all that matters to me. And we're you know we're in a playoff race. We got a game Sunday night. On to the Broncos. I mean, isn't it just isn't it just simple? He 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 didn't make it simple. And this is a guy that look. I I think you're gonna hear a lot of people in this town in the media at least love him for this for speaking out because they'll say, well, nobody speaks out. You know, nobody gives a real honest quote in that Patriots locker room. And it's true, nobody does. And when somebody does, you get everybody to love him. But I don't love him. I think he's a clown. I actually would prefer him to just be quiet and actually abide by the Patriot way because it's a real thing and it works. There is no need. When you get when you get claimed by the Patriots and you have a game Sunday night and you feel like, hey, you know what? I'll play for this team. I wanted surgery with the other team, but I'll play for this team. All you do is go play. You don't talk about it. You don't say anything. All you do is go play. Bennett didn't want to just do that. He wanted to all he wanted to come out on social media and crush his former team's medical staff. For what? We, like what does that get you? All that gets you is more questions. All that gets you is an oppo- that gets you another opportunity to come out and speak more about injuries, something the Patriots just don't want you doing. So, I mean, I just think it's drama that he brought upon himself. And, 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 and the only explanation for it is that the guy's just a clown, I think. I think I, I don't like him. I honestly don't like him. But, uh, and it's just his personality. His on-field ability? Hey, if he's going to help this team win, go. Go ahead. Help him win. But it's just, d- go play football. That's all, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to do anything else. I'm not asking you to talk about your... Injuries, I'm not asking you to talk about uh, your former team's medical staff and the good and the bad with that. We're not, no, no, no. You you got released. There was an issue there. I get it. But I think we all know what the, I think we all know what's going on. From the outside looking in, here's what it seems like. He didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. And now that he's got claimed by the Patriots, well, this was a good spot for him before. Why not finish the season with him now? A chance to win another Super Bowl. Why not? Right? Why not? So, um, I don't know what Bennett's season's going to look like, but he's here, and he caught three. He caught three. He made three catches last night in Denver. So, we'll keep an eye out for that. But he does need to stop talking about his injury. Seriously, he needs to stop talking about it. Just go play football. On to the Oakland Raiders. And speaking of the Oakland Raiders, the Patriots now travel to Mexico City Sunday to take on the 4-5 and five Raiders who are coming off a bye, and it really is a must-win game for Oakland. Um, they, they got a lot of must-win games now here on out, uh, being 4-5 and five in a season. It, technically, it's a home game for Oakland, in case you were wondering about that. It's not... It won't go down as a home game for the Patriots. Uh, it'll be a home game for the Oakland Raiders and the Patriots in Mexico City against the Raiders. Patriots open as a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. So I'll talk a little bit more about that on Thursday's podcast. But just looking back again at Week 10 and Sunday's games, I guess it brings us to the current playoff picture. And in the AFC, nothing changed. Steelers with their win at 7-2, they're the one seed. Patriots with their win at 7-2, they're the two seed. 
Uh, the Chiefs, who had a bye in Week 10, they're six and three. They're still the three seed. The Titans, with their win at six and three, they're still the four seed. The Jaguars, with their win, they're six and three. They're still the five seed. And the Bills, even though they lost, they're five and four. They are the six seed in the AFC. Now, um. Miami at 4-4, four and four, again, with the Monday night game against Carolina. But my expectation is that Carolina at home, they should beat Miami, which would change some things in the NFC playoff picture. Now, by the time you listen to this show, maybe that game has already been completed and things have changed. But I'm just telling you, in the AFC playoff picture, as, as of Sunday's games, after Sunday's games, the AFC playoff picture did not change from Week 9 to Week 10. Which brings us to the NFC playoff picture. And um, if Carolina does what I think they should do, beat Miami, they would slide into the five seed and bump Seattle down to the six seed uh, because Dallas is now out of the current playoff picture in the NFC. Dallas loses to Atlanta. Ezekiel Elliott has begun serving his six-game suspension. The Cowboys also missing their... Uh, starting left tackle, which, I mean, could end up being the biggest loss for Dallas, right? Um, you know, if you if you can somehow get that offensive line to block for Dak Prescott, I do think he's good enough to win you some ball games here without Ezekiel Elliott. But, um, you know, those are two huge losses for Dallas. It's a huge loss for Dallas in Atlanta on Sunday. So with that loss, Dallas is now out of the current playoff picture in the NFC. Here's how it looks. Philly, uh, they had the bye. They are 8-1 and one as the number one seed in the NFC. Minnesota, the number two seed now in the NFC at 7-2. and two. Um, The three seed, New Orleans Saints. Saints are the three seed at 7-2. and two. And Minnesota owns that tiebreaker over New Orleans because Minnesota in week one Beat New Orleans. Remember that it was the money. It was a Monday Night Football game, right? So that's a that turns out to be a huge win for Minnesota because they now own the tiebreaker, which the head to head is the top tiebreaker. So Minnesota, the number two seeds, New Orleans, the number three seed. Then you got the Rams with they win at seven and two. They're the fourth seed now. For the Rams, this thing gets interesting because they are going to be playing. The Minnesota Vikings next week in week 11. Um, The Rams are in Minnesota. And then after that, in week 12, they are at home against the New Orleans Saints. So the Rams are going to play Minnesota and then New Orleans. And I just told you, the top tiebreaker is head-to-head. So the Rams control their own destiny, uh, not just for the division, but also a first-round bye. I mean, the Rams are still in the running for this. So, uh, you know, Minnesota the two seed, the Saints the three seed, the Rams the four seed. Right now, as I record this on Monday morning, the Seahawks are the five seed and the Panthers, Carolina Panthers are the six seed. But again, that could, you know, that could flip-flop if Carolina beats Miami, which I expect them to do. And so that would put Carolina into the five seed and Seattle into the six seed. Again, Dallas on the outside looking in. Um, because they are now five and four. Atlanta on the outside looking in at five and four. Detroit five and four. Green Bay's still in the mix, but I don't know. I just don't think Green Bay is gonna be in the mix in a couple weeks. I, I with no Aaron Rodgers, I just don't see Green Bay staying alive in this playoff race. But uh, you know, it's t- a tough time for Dallas right now without Zeke. Detroit still trying to figure out what exactly the Lions are. Atlanta 
you know, Atlanta caught Dallas one of their games where, um, you know, they're, they're firing on, on all cylinders, right? And, and also, they were just getting after Dak in that game with, with Dallas not having Zeke and ha- not having a starting left tackle. So, um, that's the way the playoff picture looks right now on this Monday morning. Some other things around the league. Cleveland is now the only winless team in the NFL at 0-9. Cleveland lost to Detroit. San Francisco picked up its first win of the year. San Francisco beat the New York Giants yesterday, which, you know, the Giants now 1-8. 49ers get their first win of the season. This officially puts Giants coach Ben McAdoo on the hot seat, if he wasn't already. And I, I know people are up in arms. They're like, oh, the Giants. I told you this last week. The Giants... This ends up ultimately being a good thing for the Giants, I think, because now they have a better shot at getting number one overall. You lose to San Fran. You're officially in the race for number one, the number one overall pick in the draft. You want to fire Ben McAdoo because of that? Fine, go ahead. You want to bench Eli Manning right now? Fine, go ahead. I mean, do whatever you think, is, in my opinion, is going to give you a better chance to get the number one overall pick. But... Ben McAdoo on the hot seat. Who knows? He might be fired by the time you even listen to this podcast. He might have already been fired. As I record this, he's not yet. But he could he could eventually be very soon. I think Ben McAdoo would be a great WWE manager. I think he just he just looks the part. Does he get the slick back hair this year? Um, I think McAdoo would be a great WWE manager. I don't know what his I don't know who he'd manage, but I just think he'd be great. He just looks the part. And sometimes with a manager in the WWE. That's all you need. All you need to do is look the pot. You don't need to talk like Paul Heyman does because nobody talks like Paul Heyman, right? But Ben McAdoo looks the pot. He looks like a WWE manager. He's certainly not a very good NFL coach. But at the same time, they suffered a big loss with Odell Beckham Jr. And you have to take that into account. But still, you know, is Odell Beckham Jr. the difference between a 1-8 and Giants team and a 6-3 and Giants team? I don't think so. I really don't think so. So, uh, Ben McAdoo, again, officially on the hot seat. And if I'm Vince McMahon, I'd maybe make a call before he even gets fired. Say, hey, we'd like you to be a manager in the WWE. I'll get to the WWE to close out the show because I do have some thoughts uh, with Survivor Series this Sunday, coming up this coming Sunday. Uh, I have some thoughts on the WWE, but stick with NFL right now. Another storyline, this came out yesterday before the games, a report in which Roger Goodell, he wants, the the contract negotiations with Roger Goodell are getting a little insane. Here's what Roger Goodell wants. Here was his counteroffer. Roger Goodell wants, and this is real. I know I just mentioned WWE, and and I go from that to Roger Goodell counteroffers. This is, no, this is a real story. Roger Goodell really wants this. Roger Goodell wants... $50 million a year, a lifetime use of a private jet, lifetime use of a private jet, and lifetime health insurance, not just for him, but for his entire family. Now, think about that for a minute. The the yearly salary, I mean, the salary is one thing, right? It's obviously an outrageous salary, $50 million a year for a guy who does what? Sounds like a buffoon, nonstop, doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with player punishments, is the judge, jury, executioner, and can't even get that right. I mean, the guy's a clown. The guy's an idiot. Uh, He's just a dumb, dumb, dumb person. 
and this is a guy that's going to represent the National Football League, and you want to make $50 million a year doing it? That's an insane counter-proposal, insane counter-offer. The fact that you would even want $50 million a year is laughable, and it should be laughable to everybody in the NFL. All the owners, uh, all the players, it should be laughable uh, that he wants $50 million a year, Roger Goodell. Now, also factor that in with he wants a private jet for the rest of his life. <laughs> like, first of all, I don't even, if you're going to make $50 million a year, why do you need them to add a lifetime use of a private jet? Can't you just go buy a p- private jet for the rest of your life? Why do you need to add that to the contract? As if the $50 million isn't enough, you can't go afford your own private jet with $50 million a year? How much does it cost for a private jet for the rest of your life? Your $50 million a year isn't enough for that? It must be, right? So why do you need to add this in? And then on top of it, if you make $50 million a year, 50, not 15, 50, if you make $50 million a year, you can't, you can't afford health insurance for you and your family? What, are you, what, is, what is going on here? What type of health insurance is this guy getting? What type of jet is this guy looking to buy and looking to fly? I don't understand. I just don't understand. It makes no sense. It's, if you told me this was a fake story, I'd believe it. But it's not a fake story. It's a real story because real people are reporting this. Um, and then there was, there was actually, they argued. They're like, no, no, no. Sources say that he's not asking $50 million a year. Oh, what's he asking for? He's asking for $49.5 million a year. <laughs> like, it's just so, it's so obnoxious and foolish that it seems like a fake story. It's just not. This is real life. This is what it's come to with Roger Goodell. And I don't know if he's just throwing out outrageous demands because he knows he's not going to get anything and he might as well go down swinging and trying to get everything he could possibly get that any human would possibly ever want. Maybe that's it. But it's laughable on its own that he would want $50 million a year. Never mind. If you are going to give him $50 million a year, you're telling me that he can't afford his own private jet with that and he can't afford health insurance for his own family? And himself for the rest of his life? Come on now. How does that make any sense? Like, um, it, sh- it should make people angry more than anything, <laughs> right? It should, it should make everyone in the NFL angry. Not, it's not even laughable. This is to the point where you should be mad at this counterproposal. So that's what Goodell wants. Just another example of this guy being an absolute buffoon. Here's the deal. If I'm going to give you $50 million, you take the $50 million a year and you buy your own private jet and you take care of your own health insurance. That's easy. Why do you need to add that into the offer? Sorry. It's just, it's foolish. And it should make you mad. So that's what we have in the NFL uh, through week 10. And I'll give my week 11 picks on Thursday. On Thursday, I will also react to anything that might go down at the Major League Baseball GM meetings, which will take place this week in Orlando. So just a little schedule here of the Major League Baseball hut stove and the Major League Baseball offseason, the GM meetings this week in Orlando. I will also get some awards being announced this week, like the Cy Young and the MVPs and the Rookie of the Years and the Manager of the Year. We'll get those awards announced this week as well. Uh, the winter meetings are in Orlando in December. 
December 10th to the 14th. And if I'm not already resting your life away, um, then I certainly will be now. Opening day is going to be on March 29th. So that that's a, that's the Major League Baseball offseason schedule in a nutshell. With the GM meetings this week, we could see some crazy rumors. I know there were some reports over the weekend of teams that are going to be interested in acquiring Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins. We've talked about Stanton many times. I told you how I feel about the Stanton front. I just don't think that Derek Jeter's first move... Now, I know Derek Jeter is... I get it. He's not sitting there with the title GM over his head. But Derek Jeter seems to be somebody that, you know, having been in the game as a player, is going to be somewhat hands-on. And I just don't think that Derek Jeter is going to oversee, you know, the first major move that he oversees. It's not going to be sending Stanton to the Red Sox at a discounted rate for 50 cents on a dollar, uh, 75 cents on a dollar. It's just not going to happen. Um, if the Red Sox are going to acquire Stanton, they're going to have to give up a whole heck of a lot, especially if there are other teams involved. Like, the Marlins are going to create some type of bidding war, whether it's this week at the GM meetings, whether it's December 10th at the winter meetings, um, whether it's the they wait until after the holidays and give it to you, you know, the second week of January. Their asking price is going to be huge to the point where I think they're going to create the type of bidding war that if you're the Red Sox, put it this way, if you're the Marlins and you know what the Red Sox have to give up or what they have that they could give up, then I think you use that as leverage, not just against the Red Sox, but against other teams as well. Maybe they, you might even hear a report that could be a complete lie where they're like, hey, the Red Sox are willing to give up this, that, the other thing. And then they go to the Phillies or whoever, you know, I'm just throwing out teams. I mean, you know, the Cardinals, whoever they go, hey, Cod St. Louis, the, the Red Sox are willing to give up this, that, and the other thing. What are you going to give up? Like, this is, I do think it's going to get that crazy to the point where I just think the asking price is going to be too much. You know, if I'm the Red Sox, you obviously kick the tires. I'm not saying you don't kick the tires, but if you're going to kick the tires and something like that, you know, what I told you last week, not just on this show, but also in a column, my weekly column for the Boston Metro, where I gave you a to-do list for the Red Sox, I told you, if you're going to kick the tires on Stanton, and while everybody in the league at the GM meetings, at the winter meetings, is going to be infatuated with the idea of possibly trading for Stanton, maybe you, you know, be sneaky behind the scenes, and while everybody's focused on Stanton, you give the Washington Nationals a call and say, hey, what's up with Bryce Hopper? He's entering the last year of his contract, and if you don't think he's going to re-sign with you next offseason, which he probably won't, what what's the, you know, what are the chances that we could get him from you right now for a pretty good deal for some top prospects? Well, we don't have to give up any major league talent. You know, then you're not talking bidding more, right? Or at least then I think that you're talking about the Nationals willing, being willing to maybe make a move where they don't necessarily... I should say they don't have to, but at least I don't think anybody owns any leverage in that situation. Where in this Marlins situation, I think the Marlins have all the leverage in the world. I do. And with the Nationals, they could sit there and go, well, we could keep them next year. We could trade them at the deadline. We don't have to move them. Everything that we've heard with the Marlins, you know, they sort of, they've made it known. They want to move Stanton. They want to move that contract. But still, I just think they're going to have so many teams involved that, they're going to create some type of bidding war. And if you're the Red Sox, yeah, you kick the tires. But um, 
maybe behind the scenes you try to give the Nationals a call at the same time while everybody's focused on Stanton. I still think that the Red Sox should make additions without any subtractions, and that would be go sign Eric Cosma, um, bring Nunez back, make sure David Price gets healthy, and, you know, you, you move into next season as an improved ball club, as an organization that's won 93 games, back-to-back years, that's won the AL East, back-to-back years, and also continued development with some of your younger players. I, I don't think there's, you shouldn't have any problem with that strategy if that's the strategy the Red Sox are going to take, and ultimately I think that's the strategy the Red Sox should take. Yeah, you kick the tires at some of these other big-name players who could be made available in a trade, but um, if it gets too crazy, which I assume it's going to, there's no need to start shipping off players like Ben Attendee. There's no need to entertain the idea of trading someone like Devers. You're not going to move a Mookie Betts. Hey, if the Marlins want to, if they want to just acquire prospects from you that are in the minor league system, fine. But I just don't think I want to give up any of your major league talent right now. Not your young major league talent. I'm just not willing to do it. I'm more willing to do it for Hopper than I am Stanton because Hopper's younger. And you'd obviously have to come to an agreement on a deal with Hopper in that situation. But um, Hopper's younger. I think he's better than Stanton. And uh, that's the guy I would do it for. I would entertain it for, not Stanton. So whatever happens, whatever the rumors are, I'll react to it. I'll keep my eye on the GM meetings this week in Orlando. And I'll be back Thursday to react to that. Uh, So that's what we have in Major League Baseball on the hot stove, which is about to heat up. Obviously, in the NBA, the Celtics here locally, they have won 12 straight games. This is nuts. You lose the first two, you got the Haywood injury, and you now have won 12 straight and you're 12-2. and And you've continued this win streak, losing guys like Horford, losing guys like Kyrie Irving, even. You know, and Horford returned in the last game. But, I mean, you're a little banged up and you're still winning. Not just a little banged up. You you factor in Gordon Haywood not being around. You're really banged up, and you're still winning. The Celtics have won 12 straight. They're in Brooklyn Tuesday night, but if they can win this that one, which they should, the big one. So you're looking at, all right, they should have a 13-game win streak heading into Thursday night's game at home against the Golden State Warriors. That game's on TNT. It's going to be must-see TV, and... It's just, I told you when Haywood went down that the Celtics still should be a very good team that should contend in the Eastern Conference and be a serious contender in the Eastern Conference. But I never expected them to go on and win 12 straight and just win this way and have some of these players playing, some of the younger players playing the way they are. These younger kids are just, I mean, the type of confidence that they're showing is just... It's crazy. I, I I honestly can't even comprehend it. I've never seen anything like this. So um, it's great to see. But you you want to see them? You got to win at Brooklyn. Get that thirteenth straight win. Come home and play Golden State, which is gonna be must see TV Thursday night on TNT. And uh, to close out the show today, I do have thoughts on the WWE. I told you because, and I guess I'm sort of setting up. Uh, the next show, which is either going to be released Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning. That's right. We'll have a bonus show this week because Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated, he's going to be in studio with me tomorrow night. And if you don't know who Justin Barrasso is, you should go back and listen to a couple of the podcasts that he's already been on with me. He covers pro wrestling for Sports Illustrated. He's SI.com's pro wrestling insider, I guess we could call him. 
But uh, just a great guest, and I love talking wrestling with him. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on, not just in the WWE, but also at New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor. The fact that Chris Jericho is going to fight Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom in January at the Tokyo Dome. You know, Kenny Omega, whose contract is up soon. Uh, the Bullet Club and things that they're doing with Cody Rhodes. I mean, you got a lot of storylines, not just in the WWE, but also in New Japan Pro. But I wanted Justin Barrasso in studio this week, mainly because, and we will get to that other stuff, but mainly because of Survivor Series this Sunday. The WWE, they've made some major shakeups. And to be honest, I'm trying to figure out why or what they're going to do next. And I think this is a this is a good thing for professional wrestling. This is a good thing for the WWE to 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 keep you guessing, to make you wonder what's happening next. Sometimes it seems a little too predictable, but AJ Styles defeated Jinder Mahal for the WWE Championship last week on SmackDown. He won the championship, the WWE Championship on SmackDown. So now where they had Previously pumped up Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion on Raw, versus Jinder Mahal, the WWE Champion on on SmackDown. They 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 basically pumped up Lesnar versus Mahal, Champion versus Champion at Survivor Series for a couple weeks, and then all of a sudden they just surprised with AJ Styles winning the belt off Mahal, and now you have Lesnar versus Styles at Survivor Series. Here's the deal. I mean, this week at 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 SmackDown. Maybe Styles loses the belt to Jinder Mahal. Uh, maybe Jinder Mahal wins it back, and you finally get Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal. I have no idea, but it was a major shakeup. And now John Cena, who was supposed to be the special guest referee in the Lesnar-Jinder Mahal match, Cena's going to be in the Survivor Series match, right? And I know they used to... That's all it used to be. Survivor Series used to just be those matches, didn't it? Or they used to have more than one. Uh, like the four-on-four four or the five-on-five you know, those matches are pretty cool. But um, they have one major one, and John Cena is now going to be fighting in that. So you got those situations. What I Here's what I don't understand. The Lesnar-Styles match, champion versus champion. The titles are not going to be on the line. So this is just, I guess, for bragging rights. So I don't know where they're going with that storyline. Justin Barrasso will know more than me, uh, and I'll be interested to get his take on everything that's going on, including... Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn being sent home from the European tour because they did not follow the script on SmackDown last week. I ended up watching some videos and reading into it a little bit. Uh, they were supposed to get in the ring and and they what they jumped the New Day, but then they were supposed to take their bumps and they were supposed to get beat up. Instead, once they jumped the New Day, they got out of the ring and they didn't want to take that bump. They didn't want to get jumped, right? They didn't want to get that. And Vince McMahon did not like that too much. You go against the script, you're going home. And that's what happened. They sent them home. So there's a lot of stuff going on now in professional wrestling that that I'm excited about. You got Survivor Series this Sunday. And Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated will join me for a podcast to discuss it all tomorrow. Should be released Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. So three podcasts this week because after that, I'll be back again Thursday to give you picks picks for week 11. And also a DraftKings, got to have him play of the week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking back at week 10, just to wrap it up, you know, I don't think any real big surprises. You know, the teams that are in the playoff hunt that needed to win, most of them won. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh didn't win the way I thought they would win. I thought they'd whoop Indy, but, hey, a win is a win is a win, I guess. 
And the only team that really, you know, didn't win a game that they needed to was Dallas against Atlanta. But, um, you know, that was a big game. And that, that's a big one for Atlanta, too. So I don't know how much you could look at that and say, well, Dallas, you know, they should have won that game. Hey, without Ezekiel Elliott and without your starting left tackle in Atlanta, I don't know that I'm... I'm I don't know that I'm crushing Dallas for losing that one. So, um, I don't know. It wasn't a crazy week 10. It was some things that were pretty much expected for the most part. And can you believe it's already going to be week 11? Already going to be week 11. I can't believe it. And for week 11, you should go to DraftKings.com or download their app and play for free with my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. Get that done. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Get this show wherever you want, dannypicard.com, also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available, also on the Podcast One Network. Enjoy the rest of your week. Again, Justin Barrasso talking some wrestling with me uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, that'll be released, and then Thursday back to make my picks and talk all about uh, Week 11, the upcoming week in the NFL. I am out. Talk to you soon. <laughs>